Hey guys, this is Everything Missing or Murdered podcast. My name is Andrea. I hope everyone's having a great day today or night, I should say, because it's nighttime for me. Um, I apologize for this episode being pretty late. Um, Just a lot of technical difficulties and I also am trying to get organized. Um, So it's really hard to keep this organized and like the, the set dates and stuff to do things. Um, so I hope that I am getting this correct and, um, you know, I don't know. You'd think it'd be really easy to, to record and then post on one or two days a week, but it really isn't. So again, I apologize. I know some people complain when podcasts don't like say when they're going to like actually do what they're going to, what they say. Um, but here we are. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm really working on it and trying to keep it organized. Um, but anyway, so this case or this episode is only gonna be one case, um, and it's pretty important that this little boy. Well, I want to say little boy, but now he would be a, an adult, so he's not so much little anymore. But he needs to be brought home, and I'm one of those people that believe. Um, until there is a actual proof that he is no longer alive, I'm going to assume he's still alive. So let's get on with this. Um, Kyron Horman was born on September 9th, 2002 in Portland, Oregon. His parents are Kane Horman and Desiree Young. Kane and Desiree were married in 2000, but before Kyron was even born, they broke up and got a divorce. Kane Horman lived in Hillsborough, Oregon. He was an engineer for Intel. In April 2007, Kane and a woman he met and fell in love with, um, her name was, well, is, I should say, Terry, um, and they got married. Not right away, obviously, but, uh, but yeah, they did get married, and they had a little girl named Kiara. Desiree did not have custody of Kyron because she had some medical issues that she needed to take care of, and um, because of that, she wasn't able to have full custody of him at all, so she gave Kyron to his dad, and uh, but he still went to go see her every few weeks, so that's good at least. In 2010, Kyron Horman was reaching the end of second grade at Skyline Elementary School in Portland, which was by a pretty big park that had, um, like, a huge forest area. Kyron had a good relationship with Kane and his stepmom, Terry. She would sometimes take him to school. On June 4th, 2010, it was the end of the school year. Now, typically, Kyron would take the bus to school, but Terry was going to take him to school this day because he was participating in the school science fair. He had a project um, already for it and it was about the red-eyed tree frog and uh, also she wanted to take him there because she was hoping to take because the science fair was only supposed to be for a little bit and then um and then she was hoping that he would get to take it or she would get to take it home so that's why she brought him to school one of the reasons terry and kyron got to the school around 8 a.m and dropped off kyron's backpack in his classroom They then went to the gym where Kyron and others would be displaying their science projects. Terry and Kyron were seen by a lot of witnesses during this time by students and staff. 
They said they saw them both around 8.15, and they were both standing in front of the display um, taking pictures, and there was some pictures of Kyron. Terry also had Kiara with her. Terry and Kiara were at the school until about 8.45 a.m. when the science fair was supposed to be over for parents and anyone else outside of the school. Terry said she saw Kyron walking down the hallway to his classroom, but Kyron Horman never made it to his classroom, and he was never seen again. Terry and Kiara ran some errands in the area. She went to Fred Meyer, which is a grocery store. She had a receipt that said 9.12 a.m. Terry was supposed to pick up a prescription because uh, I guess Kiara had an ear infection and um, she went to the wrong place. There was more than one Fred Meyer and she went to the wrong one. Uh, so she left that one and went to the right one and picked up the prescription. She stopped by Magic Dry Cleaners to drop off work clothes for Kane. The owner said Terry was by herself and that she left Kiara in the car, but it was for just a minute. Terry stopped at Michael's, which is a craft store, and leaving a little after 10 a.m. There was some surveillance footage that confirmed her timeline. It gives her an alibi until at least 10, 10 a.m. Terry said after that, she drove around for a while because, like I said earlier, Kiara had an ear infection, and it seemed to help calm her down. She said she drove around uh, rural roads for a good while. Terry made a call on her phone during this time, but it, but it's not 100% confirmed. At 11.39, Terry drove to a 24-hour fitness where she apparently worked out a lot. She dropped Kiara off at the daycare there and worked out for about an hour. Terry left the gym at 12.40 and drove back to the house. Now, the reason why it took that long for her to leave is because um, she... Well, she had to get Kara out of daycare, and then apparently she's got, like, there. she's well-known there because she works out there a lot, so she's got some friends there. So she just hung out there for a little bit, and then they left. Um, it, it is estimated that she made it home a little before 1. At one twenty-one in the afternoon, she uploaded photos to Facebook in a folder called June 2010. That had the photos of Kiara and Kyron. Kyron took a picture of himself at the science fair, and Terry uploaded that as well. He was wearing a black CSI t-shirt. Terry sent an email to Kyron's teacher asking when she could get the science project. And um, apparently she wasn't able to get that when she was at the school. Because like I said earlier, she wanted to take it home. And, and she was told that they had to be there all day, even after the science fair. Kane made it home from work. He also works from home as well. At around 3.30, Kane went to Kyron's bus stop with Terry and Kiara. They waited for Kyron to get off the bus, but he never did. Kane and Terry went to Skyline, and nobody at the school had seen Kyron Horman since that morning. He was marked absent. When they found that Kyron was not off the bus and the bus driver said he was never put on the bus, Terry called 911 to report him missing. The school, at the end of the day, made a second call to 911 to also report Kyron Horman missing. The Multnomah County Sheriff's Office arrived at the school and they started searching right away. What was difficult for them is that it has already been several hours since anyone has seen Kyron. What also did not 
help is that the school did not have security cameras. The school was open to the public that day because of the science fair, and they would not have a record of who had been in, out, in and out. That would be pretty difficult for sure. I'm not blaming the school, but you would think if Kyron's backpack was still there at the school and he wasn't seen all day, you would think that they would have given his parents a call and been like, hey, do you know what's going on? And what I mean by the fair was open to the public, not just the parents could view it, but also like just people off the street could come in and look at it. So it honestly, it could have been, there was a lot of people there apparently. So the way it was described. Apparently Terry told Kyron's teachers that Kyron had a doctor's appointment so that that is probably why they were not concerned, but the police found out that Terry actually made the appointment for next week. So they marked him absent all day and assumed he would come back later, but he never did. And they were not concerned at all because they thought, well, maybe he was with Terry. I don't know. It just seems pretty bizarre because the backpack situation, I'm not saying people don't leave their stuff at school, but it just seems bizarre. The police conducted a large search of the school, school grounds, and surrounding area with the police, tracking dogs, and volunteers. They talked to all of Kyron's friends and family. Kyron um, was a pretty quiet person and kept to himself a lot, so the police thought maybe he just ran away. He would sometimes walk out of class to use the bathroom without asking if he could go. I just find it hard to believe a seven-year-old ran away. Not saying that doesn't happen because kids tend to walk off, but, you know, thinking, okay, this kid goes to the bathroom without asking, keeps to himself, that doesn't equal running away to me, but I'm not the expert, so I don't know. I wouldn't automatically think that that child just ran away. Anything is possible, but I don't think he did. And um, especially since according to everyone that knew him, he was timid and it would not make sense for him to just run away or even wander off. On June 6th, volunteers helped Kyron's family with flyers and information on Kyron. They had pictures of him on there with his description. He was seven years old at the time of his disappearance. He was three foot eight and weighed 50 pounds. Kyron wore glasses, has blue eyes and brown hair. Kyron was last seen wearing a black CSI t-shirt black cargo pants, and black and orange sneak, uh, sketchers. They searched for Chiron for 10 days, which is a good chunk of time to be looking. I mean, with all the, um, with all the people helping out. 1,300 people, both volunteers and the police. It was the largest search in Oregon's history. On June 23rd, the multi- Multnomah County Sheriff's Office announced that they were ending their search, but they declared Kyron's missing persons case um, as a criminal investigation instead. The police think Terry Horman is a person of interest. They think her version of events had a lot of gaps. Terry was the only one that had an issue passing a polygraph. All of his family members and interviews, well, they had interviews and took polygraphs, but for some reason, she did not pass hers. I mean, she took two of them. Now, I'm not saying that taking a polygraph and failing means that you are automatically um, guilty of something. And, you know, offering to take one doesn't make you guilty. Failing them doesn't make you guilty. None of that makes you innocent either. But um, they're not, 
they're not able to use that in a court of law anyway, but I do understand why the police do it. And since she took two, um, the first one she failed and the second one she walked out on. So yeah, that can be frustrating um, being asked the same questions over and over again and getting upset, but it makes sense why the police were like, okay, red flag, you know. So not only that, but there's a huge chunk of time where Terry is unaccounted for. Now that I agree with that one. I'm like, yeah, I don't, she, she couldn't come up with where she was at. So it's crazy. This was the time that she drove around for a while and she said she was on a rural roads, but it couldn't be verified. So the police gave out flyers with Terry's truck information and hoped witnesses that had seen her that morning would say something. Terry Horman has a son from a previous relationship and he moved out of the Horman home. Um, not too long uh, before Kyron went missing. Kane Horman on June 26, 2010, got a call from the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office. A landscaper that would work on the Horman house had come forward. Terry hired him to work on the house from time to time. Terry apparently approached him and offered him a large sum of money to kill Kane Horman. In 2010, she asked him to kill Kane and make it look like a mugging, which is disturbing. Apparently, Kane would have $10,000 on him, so she told this landscaper that he could keep that and a laptop that Kane would also have on him. Apparently, Kane abused Terry and wanted to divorce her while taking custody of Kiara. The police conducted a sting at the Horman house. They used the landscaper and an undercover police officer who was acting as a hitman. They said that they would carry out the hit and asked for money. Terry called the police. She has never been charged with any of this, though. Terry called the police twice that day, first time about the threats outside of her home um, because of the undercover sting, and a second time after Kane left the house from coming home and arguing with her. She said it was a custody matter that she was calling about. Kane took their daughter, Kiara, and he told the press that he believes Terry had something to do with Kyron's disappearance. Kane filed for divorce two days later, and got a restraining order for both him and Kiara. The restraining orders were granted, plus Terry had started an affair at the same time. In July 2010, one of Terry Horman's friends got involved. She was subpoenaed by a Multnomah County Grand Jury as just one of several witnesses. She was very close to her and even stayed with her for a while after Kane filed for divorce. It was theorized that she knew more about Kyron's disappearance, but she has always said Terry Horman did not do anything that she and that she was innocent, and she felt like the police were pressuring her to implicate Terry in the disappearance. She became aware that the police were monitoring both her and Terry's phones, so she bought them burner phones, which, I mean, I get it, but this is a high-level missing persons case. A child is missing? I feel like some people do not understand what that means. I mean, yeah, you want your privacy, but buying burner phones, knowing the police are looking at you as a person of interest, is not a good sign. Huge red flag. The police found out that months before Kyron went missing, Terry sent emails to friends that seemed to be blaming Kyron for her failing marriage. She also seemed to blame Kane for her son from a previous relationship to be sent with his grandparents, but his demeanor and grades have improved since moving out, so maybe she was just blaming 
Cain because he wasn't doing so well living with them. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I couldn't find anything on that. But who blames a seven-year-old for a failing marriage? That's on you. That's not the kid. Plus, all accounts, Kyron got along with her. So it's like, what could she possibly be blaming him for? Terry also said that Kane was overbearing and and said he was also toxic. But unfortunately, this stuff doesn't prove anything. I mean, it for sure makes her look really bad. Like, there's a lot of red flags, especially with the disdain of a seven-year-old. But um, that doesn't prove any crime happened. In June of 2012, Desiree Young, Kyron's mom, filed a civil suit against Terry Horman, saying she was responsible for the disappearance of Kyron Horman. She was wanting $10 million in damages. They had a lot of witnesses that testified, and one of them was Terry's friend, the one I mentioned earlier. Her name is Dee Dee. She didn't answer a lot of questions and pled the fifth. Questions like where she was on the day that Kyron disappeared and if she had any contact with Terry on that June 4th, 2010. In July 2013, Desiree Young dropped the lawsuit because she did not want it to interfere with the police investigation. Terry and Kane Horman's divorce was finalized and Kane was granted full custody of Kiara. In 2016, Terry spoke to the police. She had an interview with People Magazine and also had an appearance on the Dr. Phil show. She said she had been unfairly portrayed in the media and had been forced out of Oregon due to stress. She tried changing her name, but it was denied. Terry was asked what she thinks happened to Kyron. She said there was a man in a white truck um, driving a Ford parked on Highway 30 at the 7-Eleven near the school. He was acting weird and he was dressed... He was addressed, sorry, excuse me, um, by one of the employees because he was pacing back and forth in front of the 7-Eleven. I would probably be like, what are you doing? Um, apparently, he asked the employees where the nearest school was, and the employee told him about Skyline Elementary. But this person has not been confirmed. Terry was arrested in California for driving a stolen car later being released on bail. She also faced charges for domestic abuse, having threatened her boyfriend with a knife. He filed for a restraining order, and Terry was also in trouble for stealing a gun from her roommate. And uh, this, these incidences happened. Um, some of them happened before the Dr. Phil show, and some of them happened after the Dr. Phil show. Several searches have been done for Kyron Horman, but unfortunately, he has never been found. No one has ever been publicly named as a suspect, and no one has been charged with anything in regards to Kyron's disappearance. Now, I don't know what happened on June 4th, 2010. A seven-year-old, very bright boy, was excited to show off his science project. He just had to walk to class, and he never showed up. What happened between 8.45 and the time he was supposed to be in class is not known. I do not think he ran away. I think someone took him. I can't say who, but I do believe. Terry knows more than she's telling. I'm not saying she did anything to him. I truly believe everyone is innocent until proven guilty, but there's just so many red flags, like how he could go a whole day and no one knew he was missing. Apparently, she mentioned to the teachers that he had a doctor's appointment that day, but miscommunicated that. Still, the school shouldn't have just assumed that he stayed with his stepmom all day. Doctor appointments are not all day. I mean, some of them can be, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem likely. It's just like, 
bizarre, like I've always said, um, for this one. It's just, that's the only word I can think of right now, bizarre. I don't know if this random person Terry mentioned had anything to do with Kyron's case. It's odd that he is described to be driving the same kind of truck and color that she drives, but what is even more odd is that the police spent so many years investigating Terry Horman and have never charged her with anything. What if she was innocent? I feel like they should have looked into more than just her because that's a lot of years to be spent on one person and there could be so much out there that they don't know. And then, you know, the school was also open to the public. Do not forget that. It could have been anyone to take him. And, you know, rare abductions, especially with children, um, like where it's it's a stranger, it's pretty rare from what I've looked at. I, I have to like relook at the the statistics to give you to give you a actual percentage on stuff, but I'm pretty sure it's still rare to this day. Like it's not always a stranger. It's usually somebody you know anyway. Um but I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. It, anything's possible in this case since we don't have cameras to know what happened to him um, or real evidence to know where he went. So I, I honestly don't think he ran away and I don't like when the police first think that they ran away. But um, I also think that they should have looked deeper into somebody else and maybe they have. Um, like I said, they haven't publicly named anyone for this case. But it makes you wonder oh, what else were they were doing? And why were they just focused on her? She doesn't seem like a very nice person. Doesn't seem like a good person. But that doesn't make her a criminal in the sense of, I'm going to kidnap this kid and do something with it, you know, with him. So that doesn't make sense. Um, I feel like they should have had more suspects. But honestly, I don't know what the other suspects could be um, other than a random stranger coming into the school. I don't know. There is a Kyron Horman Foundation website that I will link in the show notes. Their mission, the mission of the Kyron Horman Foundation is to help families of missing children and their ultimate goal to bring their child or children home. This was founded in 2010. This foundation offers how to quickly assemble and launch effective public awareness campaigns, how to partner effectively with law enforcement and the media and general counsel through the search process. The foundation was founded in September 2010, and it is a nonprofit organization supported by volunteers, sponsors, and donations. For every dollar donated to a child, 100% of those funds go to supporting awareness campaigns for that child and no place else. The Kyron Horman Foundation fills a gap that exists in the realm of missing children and is a unique offering that provides families of missing children with the tools, resources, and counsel that are solely needed during a time of anxiety, confusion, and uncertainty. This is a great foundation that, like I said, will be put on the show notes. Please check it out and um, because uh, you can, like, I think you can donate with PayPal um, and it, it, you can, like, volunteer to and help out like help out families with with missing children um so it's pretty cool i like i like having to research a case and then seeing stuff like this where people create organizations to help other people not just their own selves but other people so it's really nice um to see that and 
that's all I have for you guys. Um, I'll be posting this case on my Instagram uh, with his picture. He was a very cute little boy. And uh, I really hope he's found. I really hate not knowing the not knowing. And, and I'm a stranger, complete stranger. I don't know these these people I research on. Um, I talked to some of the family members of missing people on my Twitter, but I don't know them personally. And, um, I can't imagine what they're going through to have somebody you cares about so much just be gone without a trace. And I don't even believe in the without a trace. There's gotta be something. And in this case, there's gotta be something. Um, and I hope we find out soon. Uh, and I hope he's brought home and, and, and that's everything. I don't want to believe that he's gone from this earth. Um, I mean, I know it's been several years since he went missing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's gone. He could still be here. Um, and I haven't really seen any theories. I mean, a lot of people seem to think it was his stepmom. I don't like to point fingers unless, unless there's actually like proof of it like real proof like not like um I don't know how to describe not physical proof obviously but uh I don't know something to show what happened to him that's all All right. Well, thank you for listening and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day or night and I will talk to you next time.